listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome. You are listening to I Might Be Wrong. I am Rich, and with me is Henry. How are you, Henry? Hello, Rich. I'm very well. I've, I've been battling with automatic duck doors today, as <laughs> most people do in, um, in these circumstances. Uh. Uh, we have ducks, and... We thought it would be clever to get an automatic light sensor activated duck door so that I don't have to put them away and get them up in the morning every day. Um, it turns out that British engineering being as it is, uh, it's wired backwards and um, the instructions don't seem to let me know how to um, calibrate it. So anyway, that's my problem and probably not one for a music podcast. How are you doing? <laughs> I don't have any issues with automated animal-related engineering, so so I'm all good. good. Uh, it's the bank holiday weekend, so been enjoying that. Been out into the countryside a little bit, had a few drinks. So all, all of the bank holiday weekend cliches ticking all the boxes there. We should, as you suggested, talk about music. The eagle-eared listeners uh, may have <laughs> spotted that I picked two albums in a row and that was very deliberate because a couple of weeks ago we talked about what your next album was going to be and this is episode 69 no immature jokes please and you have an album that references that in a way well I say an album can you call it an album it's almost three hours long mate it's three album well it's a three-part album it, this it's it's 69 love songs by the magnetic fields uh that's um <laughs> what i've brought to the table and what is this it's a three volume concept album right. by the magnetic fields who are basically led by stephen merritt this is his his baby and this album came out in 1999 i think just turn of the millennium and it filled a very weird space in people's music back catalogues some people will say this is without that doubt the best album ever if you go online you'll see this album with every single song ranked it's wow. crazy people have like they've, I've, I've seen three or four different rankings for, for this album of which is the best song on here and some people love it other people not so much it's bonkers and if i described it to you as an album full of synth pop ballads some country music with 69 different songs all about love you'd probably think that's just going to be incredibly inaccessible and a bit of a waste of time but the beauty of this album and the, the reason why I want to showcase it is that Stephen Merritt he manages to craft lots of very short beautiful little songs and put them all together in a way that doesn't make them sound stale most of the songs on the album are what, under three minutes long? Some under two, some under one. And it's the kind of thing that you dip into. And for me, when I first listened to this back in, what, probably 10, 15 years ago, the album just, if you're going through a bad time, this album just completely go, goes at you because the lyrics are all about love. And uh, it's, yeah, just an interesting thing. Have, have you ever heard of it before? So I knew of the magnetic fields before and I had heard little bits and pieces. I was not aware that this album existed. And when you 
told me 69 songs about love, I assumed that that would be a, a facetious title, not a practical guide to what you're about <laughs> to listen to. I can understand a lot of the appeal, but it is hugely bloated and does feel very self-indulgent in places. And I think, I mean, I had a couple of listens to it. <laughs> it's a three-hour album. <laughs> I'm not going to get through it that many times. It, it certainly feels like there are things on here that are, it's almost designed as a, an album that you can just pull things into playlists. So Absolutely. you can find songs that you love and drag them into a playlist that fits a mood rather than necessarily, it, it's almost a compilation of love songs rather than an album that you actually want to sit down and listen to front to end in one go. Yeah, it's very weird. He says it's an album about love songs, which are very far away from being anything to do with love, which is quite a nice way of putting it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned self-indulgence. It's totally self-indulgent to a point where <laughs> if you don't like this guy, then it goes in the bin very quickly. And he's an interesting guy. He's got a very deep bass voice. Mm -hmm. He can only write these songs in, in a bar. It was an interesting interview I read with him. He says that, the bar needs to be one third full of cranky old gay men gossiping over thumping disco music, plus a glass of cognac. If he has all of those things, he can write these songs. Otherwise, he doesn't. So apparently in lockdown, he's just not done anything. Oh, wow. <laughs> because he can't go into his usual kind of, into his gay bar and write these things. He definitely has an ability to weave stories. And that's something that does stand out from this. So tell us, tell us about the magnetic fields and Stephen Merritt. Like, who who are they? Where do they come from? What's what's the what's the story there? So they're from Boston, Massachusetts, and they started in ninety one. I think the first single came out, and Merritt, right from the start, has um, he's been a a funny character. So his um, background, he his earring was damaged at a gig um, a long time ago. Uh, he's got hypercusis, which I've never heard of before, but it means that he can't play with a rock band. He was at a metal gig and stood incredibly close to a circular saw, which was being used as part of the performance. Wow. Literally metal. And he list he put his ear really close to the thing because he said it, it, he was feeling all these incredible sounds inside of his head. That was his earring getting wrecked. Oh, wow. So now he gets increasing amounts of feedback in one of his ears if volumes increase so he's always played this in very quiet places he wears earplugs when he when he performs um he covers his ears when applause happens because he gets all this feedback in his head so that's um a funny old thing obviously we've mentioned he's he's gay and all of these songs are all about life in the late 90s and and it sounds like this guy's had a pretty tough life relationship wise uh, which is what he's based all his music on and that's pretty much them in in a nutshell there's they're not exactly a, a party band right it's not like they're going to be doing all sorts of crazy shit in an after show gig because they just their gigs just are quiet he'll just play with his mandolin or his um his strings and that's about it it's a funny old setup and a funny old band and you've got to mention the 69 songs i mean what's going on there he's constructed this super album i guess and you're right is it a bit weird that he's gone for 69 songs it's a bit of a gimmick is there some filler yeah yes <laughs> um, is there a reason 
behind doing this? Is he has he got a specific concept or a reason or a challenge that he had in his head to do it this way, or was it just he kept writing songs and writing songs and writing songs and eventually it's like I've got a lot of songs. I think that's it. So also one of his later albums called Fifty Song Memoir is an album with fifty songs on, <laughs> each one from a year of his life. Oh wow. He hasn't been diagnosed as having Asperger's, but he has been told by his friends that have it, that he's got it. Mm-hmm. And he's that kind of character where if you have a hundred songs in your back pocket, then why why would you not make a an album like this? <laughs> all in all, this makes a very strange listening experience because you can't really sit down for three hours and listen to this album. It's just not going to happen. And I, I don't think he's ever gig the whole thing but it does get cloying <laughs> after a while i mean it does kind of it's a long gig you'd need intervals yeah but but the weird thing that i find with this album and the reason that i keep going back to it is that the the songs are short they're very concise and he doesn't overplay his hand when we did the paul simon podcast but one of the things that paul simon says when he's writing is you never want to give the listener too much so he if he came up with a brilliant chorus He'd never repeat it like four times through the song because that's just too much. He mm. would do it twice and then stop. And this is exactly what Merritt does in his album. He will pick a, a song, he will make his point, and then he'll it'll stop. Yep. Which means you can kind of get through quite a lot of songs on the album pretty quickly and they can have quite fun effects. I mean, because he's jumping to kind of synth pop ballads, weird, almost kind of cheerleading stuff on like Washington DC, which is weird. Mm. Yeah. You can just skip through songs quite lightly. It's it's a very strange experience, put it that way. All right. Where should people start? Like w- <laughs> give us give us a handful of songs that demonstrate the best of this album as far as you're concerned. What I would do is actually listen to the first 3 because absolutely cuckoo I don't believe in the sun and all my little words do kind of sum it up quite nicely. <laughs> but there are, I mean, there are some really interesting songs on here. Um, the Book of Love, for example, is one which um, you'll probably recognise. Have you heard it before? Yes, I immediately recognised it. That was the one song on the first list in the album that my brain just went, wait, what? Because this is a track... I mean, it's probably the best well-known song on this album, I'd, I would suggest. And actually, weirdly, not for the Magnetic Fields version, because Peter Gabriel did a cover of it, and that cover was used in a number of places. But in particular, as anyone who's listened to previous podcast episodes will know, I'm a massive Scrubs fan. And Scrubs used this for their season finale for the proper end of Scrubs. We ignore season eight. We don't acknowledge it. And it's beautiful. It works really well. It sets the scene and the atmosphere and really carries the emotion through that scene. And so as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, this song. Wait, this isn't this isn't the version that I know. Yeah. But it is a beautiful version as well. Yeah. And that kind of style where he can put a drop dead bundle of beauty into a very short song is really what the magnetic fields are about. Yeah. There's a lovely song called The Night You Can't Remember quite a long way through the album the chorus goes the night you can't remember the night i can't forget and it's a wonderful song about oh, yes. unrequited love when this guy's like 
it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. And the other person's like, nah, <laughs> don't, don't remember it. Didn't even remember it. Which is lovely. And all the way through, he has that potential to hit really high heights. <laughs> some kind of don't quite work, but some uh, some do really nail it. Yeah. You say some don't quite work, particularly there's a track called Love Is Like Jazz, which oh, really just feels like they're dicking around, but not in a good way. It's sort of just a bit all over the place. and It never really comes together at any point. It just feels like they were like, ah, we'll just do this thing. and eh. That's rubbish. I don't like that. And there's another one, which is Love Is Like A Bottle Of Gin. And the the final line is, love is like a bottle of gin, but a bottle of gin isn't like love. And it's like, well, come on, buddy. That's that's a bit of a, a weak hand. <laughs> and this is the trouble with this album. And it's odd. We may get letters. I'm, most people will probably just chip in, go, nah, whatever, and leave it. But I bet you there'll be someone listening to this podcast that will go, this album's fucking awesome. <laughs> I wonder how many of our listeners will have actually listened to it or heard of it before. It's certainly not a well-known album, and the the magnetic fields are not a particularly well-known or massively played band. No. But I guess maybe that's that's as a Brit. Maybe in America they've got more of a larger cult following. Yeah, they're um they're not a big band, and they are well known in the music press. Or he's well known to the point where you get these reviews where people will rank every song. And if you do go on and look at the music reviews for this album, this appears in a lot of best ofs. This will appear a lot of times and people will put it in there because it's just, it's so odd. It's so distinctive. Why would you not just check it out? And so I feel like for the 69th episode, we have to have discussed it. (laughs) Would I take it with me as my kind of one of my top 50 albums ever? Maybe, maybe it creeps into the top 50, but it is weird and there are moments in there which will genuinely make you laugh and genuinely make you feel quite sad and for that alone um i think it's worth a it's worth it's worth showing the rest of the world that this album exists well you say moments that will make you laugh the other track that i really enjoyed off just a couple of listens is a chicken with its head cut off <laughs> which is talking about how love and talking i guess more from the very early stages of love when you're just sort of head over heels with someone it's tongue-in-cheek it's really lyrically entertaining it's country folk i guess yeah. as as a sound but yeah just it made me chuckle and each time it came on it made me chuckle again so i have i have a lot of time for that kind of thing yeah we're not going to go through all these songs in fact we'll probably stop there because <laughs> there's just too much to go on um onto but what I will say is his sound's changed in recent years. He's kind of matured on from, from this album. And, and obviously there's the 50-song memoir, which I, <laughs> I started trying to go through a while ago and just couldn't. <laughs> so really? I, I, just hard work? Well, this album is enough for me of his work. I love it. And there's some really good songs on here, but I don't feel like I need lots of Stephen Merritt floating around. But he released an album called Realism in 2010, and there's a song on there called You Must Be Out of Your Mind. That song is one of my favourites ever. Like, it's rocketing up there into one of my... It's definitely one of my favourite songs of the last 25 years. Absolutely dead straight. 
there's a lyric in there saying you can't go around just staying stuff because it's pretty and i no longer drink enough to think you're witty and this album <laughs> this song is just a, a wonderful piece of work that's great if you don't like the magnetic fields 69 love songs please listen to you must be out of your mind from the realism album it's lovely Cool. Yeah, I, I'll go and have a listen to that. I've definitely listened to some of their stuff, but they're not a band that I've spent lots of time with. I don't imagine you've seen him live. No, I haven't. And he's not the kind of guy that will go to a big old festival because of his hypercusis. I think I pronounced that right. Mm-hmm. So no, and I hope he's okay because if he can't record because he's not got his uh, his bars to go to with pumping disco music, then he's probably having a fairly quiet time. But I think we will close it just with the thought that you've got to go and check this album out. I I don't think you can know about, I guess, Western weird guitar-driven or... Actually, it's not even that. Just check it out. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that's enough. Yeah, there there will be one or two songs on here which will stick in your head. I, I love dipping back into this album because there are songs on there which at one or two minutes long conjure up quite a lot of emotion for something that's so short, so it's worth it. Cool, it's good. I was intrigued by yeah. it. I'm not sold on it, but I was intrigued by it. And I like someone going out on a limb with something like this, even if I don't think the end result was necessarily something that I'm going to love personally. Is it better than Kid A? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Certainly longer than Kid A. Maybe this is what Kid A could have been if they'd just lumped everything in that they'd written during those sessions. Well, I, I say that tongue-in-cheek, and the reason I say it is because, if you remember, we mentioned Tom York saying that he absolutely rejected melody so that he could concentrate on rhythm. Mm-hmm. This is the absolute opposite. Stephen Merrick completely goes for melody doesn't give a crap about anything else and if you don't like a clever melody then this this album is going to leave you stone cold yeah and i think it's it's as much the lyricism as well Mm. he writes a he writes a clever interesting lyric his voice is not necessarily one that people will fall in love with some people will absolutely love it but i think it will potentially turn off a lot of people bit crash test dummies if you remember them i do I do, From yeah. the 90s, about the kid. Somebody referenced a Crash Test Dummy song on a tweet that I saw yesterday. So yes, weirdly, there's maybe we need to do a Crash Test Dummies episode. We need someone who knows about them to come on. I'm not sure I'm enough of a, enough of a fan. Are they a one-hit wonder? I'm pretty sure they were. They were, but they actually recorded quite a lot of material and I think were quite good. I think that was one of those right place right time for that particular song but then you've got other things but no one cares because all they <laughs> care about is that one song yeah. which always makes me a bit sad when an artist is actually talented and ends up being just a one-hit wonder yeah um yeah well we can completely 100 percent certainly say that Stephen merritt isn't a one-hit wonder <laughs> but he's <laughs> he has many 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 hits whether people know them or not i'm not sure but Check it out if you want something a little bit different to listen to. Nice. Well, cheers for bringing him to the party and them, I guess, the Magnetic Fields. We should we should acknowledge the whole band. Yeah, if you, if you have opinions on the Magnetic Fields, 
feel free to shout at Henry on social media. You're more likely to find him on Facebook than anywhere else. We are, I might be wrong, UK, pretty much everywhere, at least in the old school social media spaces. So yeah, come and say hi and chat. Cool. Cheers, Rich. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong. I love your giant mug of tea. It looks like a Dave Grohl giant hand thing. Yeah, I was, um, for Christmas, I'd... I asked for a, a, a giant mug and my mum was like, do you want just a big mug? And I was like, no, no, a, a giant mug. I need the biggest <laughs> mug. So um, my sister gave it to me. Yeah. It needs to be a minimum of a litre of liquid. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, exactly. what's the point? What's the point? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> to fit the entire teapot into the mug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just none for anyone else. It's just, just me. <laughs> just Lizzie looking sad on the other side <laughs> of the kitchen.